Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. So then, remember that at one time, you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances so that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For, for through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father." So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the, holy, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hello. Check. Hello. Can you hear me? All right. Uh, My name is Zach Lucero, and I am your student ministries pastor. And uh, we are here with uh, some of my my closest friends and family uh, to tell you about our summer. This summer has been full. It has been... um, impactful and meaningful and we starting with camps all the way to right now um we got off a bus at 10 a.m and so uh i'm sorry if we smell like it um so um oh that's how that works um this is my first time doing this so that's pretty fun um so first we started off at camp where our theme was table where we explored this theme um that says that we are invited to the table, that we, um, we find healing and transformation and inclusion and safety at this table. And our students got to experience speakers like Pastor Nick Lee at uh, Christ Experience Methodist Church and uh, Pastor Mikhail Levine um, at 8th Street Church. And we had such a good time at camp and really great conversations came out of that. And I think, but today, I wanna focus on uh, two trips that we just took. Um, First, I want to start with Cactus. Cactus, we go to, this, is our, this was our fourth year in Cactus, um, and we um, continued our partnership with the Cactus Nazarene Mission Center, uh, this mission center that's located in this tiny little town called Cactus. 
um, where in just a few square miles, there are 33 different ethnicities of refugees um, and other immigrants who, who have come to work at a meatpacking plant called JBS. And so we, we partner alongside of Cactus Nazarene Mission Center to do things uh, that they're already doing. Um, they, they do feeding sites that look very similar to Outpost. If you've ever been to Outpost, they do, um, they house worship services in their building. They meet the needs of the community through health centers and, and other various methods. And I, I wanted to give an opportunity to one of our sponsors who was on the trip, uh, the mother of John Clemmer, Heather Clemmer, uh, to come talk about her experience uh, in Cactus. Good morning. So I think what I learned the most from this trip, I grew up every summer going to West Texas. So that's where my family is from. I thought I knew what I was walking into. And one of the first things we learned on the first night, something that she told us was, you've left the country. You're no longer in the United States. You're no longer in Texas. You're, you're a minority. You are what is different in this community. They have so, so much to give and so much to teach us. And what I learned from this trip in particular, and there are things that I'm always struggling with, but I learned about gracious love and adaptability. This is a ministry center that is constantly loving and adapting to the community in which it serves. So whatever the needs are, the ministry center is finding ways to adapt. So one of the big projects that we were working on was a medical center within the ministry center. It, there is a medical desert in this area. The nearest hospital is 20, Zach's driven it, uh, 20 minutes away. <laughs> yeah, we had a visit. <laughs> About 20 minutes away. Um, and so how, how do you provide medical care to people in this community who may not even have a car to get that 20 minutes. So the center itself, a lot of what we had to do was move things around because the space was used for one thing and is now being converted to something else. And I think it will be really exciting to see as we continue to go, what happens next? As the community has new needs, how does the ministry center adapt to meet those needs? And the other thing I saw was just God's grace and love. These kids, these families didn't treat us as outsiders. We didn't always speak the same language. We didn't always understand each other. Uh, but the kids understood water play and bubbles and uh, flag football. And <laughs> it provided our, our students and us as sponsors the opportunity to laugh. Lots of laughter, lots of fun, um, just getting to know them, getting to uh, experience their lives, going into their restaurants and their grocery stores. Um, it was just an incredibly impactful and humbling experience. Uh, and if Zach ever comes to you and says, hey, would you like to go? I encourage you to say yes. A couple nights sleeping on the floor sounds really bad, but in the grand scheme of things, you get over it. Thank you. You can give her a hand. Yeah. So we just got back from Toronto, Canada. Um, Toronto is about a 26-hour bus ride away from here. Um, and we uh, 
Some people on this stage have just experienced it. We, we go to Canada and we partner with uh, organizations like Toronto City Mission and Salvation Army. And uh, here to talk about a couple of those are uh, Mike Laughlin and Kristen Mason. Um, and we'll start, we'll start with Mike. Um, Mike. Mike is gonna tell us about his team, uh, which stayed at Salvation Army 614. And uh, you okay? No, I step out here and John just starts laughing at me. <laughs> I mean, your beard is looking ferocious right now. Don't get used to it. It's not <laughs> going to stay. Yeah, can you tell us about Salvation Army? Yes. yes. Um, gosh, Salvation Army uh, has a huge presence in the downtown corridor of Toronto. There is a massive population of very, very low income um, and homelessness in the Toronto area. They have... Um, a presence in <laughs> seriously I think that classifies as a catch maybe I don't know um, so they have they they have this large presence of homelessness and need in the downtown area so we have um, partnered with Salvation Army specifically two Salvation Armies um, uh, un actually three, but uh, Harbor Light, which does a um, transitional housing and addiction recovery program, as well as the Harbor Light Church, and then um, Salvation Army 614, which is also a church, as well as a drop-in shelter that provides services in food and clothing, and then also um, does some ministries towards uh, those just um, entering society from being incarcerated. So we partner with them, and, and one of the great reasons why we do this is because the ministries that happen in the downtown corridor with the Salvation Army are very, very relational. They understand that they need to meet people exactly where they are and begin to walk that journey of reconciliation with them. And that just seems like us, right? It just seems like the, the way in which we would go about living life with other people. So it's really great to um, enter into things like uh, prayer walks and sandwich um, runs where we just go out into the parks and the streets and are able to talk to people and learn their story and figure out um, where they've come from. And the reality of all of that is, is that, yes, we maybe meet an immediate need where somebody is hungry or somebody is thirsty, but more so um, we come back changed. We come back um, with this uh, transformation, if, if at, at hopefully, but at, at the least, we come back with this heart and mind that begins to question the way humanity is treated all across um, our, our globe, not just in Toronto, but here locally. And then how can we as people uh, of Christ um, move out into our own communities and partner with the people that we come in contact with to see redemption and reconciliation happen. Um, so the Salvation Army is doing some great work there. They have uh, resident housing for, for a lot of these homeless people, and it, uh, they're doing the best they can. But they need, they need these guys to help them, and not only do we get that opportunity, but it definitely changes us. Thanks, Mike. 
and Kristen Mason is going to come talk about our partnership with uh, Toronto City Mission. Good morning. I brought some notes because I wasn't sure after 25 hours on a bus what was going to come out of my mouth. So um, I'm going to talk about our partnership with Toronto City Mission. There are four day camp sites that we go to and then one that used to be part of TCM that is no longer, um, but we still go there. They are St. Jamestown, um, which is the one that I go to every year. Um, this was my 10th trip to Toronto and my 10th year at St. Jamestown, and it was just awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, St. Jamestown is primarily Filipino um, population, and then we have Flemington Park, um, which I was told it's very diverse but high population of Muslim. Is that accurate? Okay. Um, Willow Tree, which is Caribbean. Okay. Um, Kingston Galloway, also Caribbean. And then CGCS, which is Chinese Gospel Church of Scarborough, um, Chinese population. So at our day camp sites, what we do there at each site varies, um, but we typically do things like help lead a Bible story or a small group or work with the music or worship um, and games, things like that. Um, the schedule varies, but most sites do those kinds of things in the morning. In the afternoon, there may be swim time or a splash pad or different rotations that we help out with. And then usually on Fridays, we do field trips, um, which can vary for each site. Um, the kids are super, super friendly. They usually warm up to us very easily. And let me just tell you how great of a feeling it is when we only go one week a year to walk in on the first day and they swarm you and say your name, you're back. <laughs> it's the best feeling in the world. Um, so why do we continue to go back every year? The relationships we form with these kids and these people, I cannot begin to explain to you how much they have shaped me, how much they have shaped us. And I think too often we go on these trips thinking, oh, we're going to go to Toronto, we're going to do some great stuff, and we're really going to help these people and shape them, and in turn, we are the ones that come home shaped, and we're the ones that come home different because of our experience with them. So um, we, when we form these relationships, at least in my experience, we go back and pick up right where we left off. And the more often that we go these kids begin to understand that Toronto is a cool city with a lot of stuff to do, a lot of cool things to see, but Toronto becomes Patricia, Ian, Deanna, Michelle, Jane, Ivy, Judy, Andrew, Francis, Barb, Elliot, and many more names that I could name. And so I think, for me at least, that's why we continue to go every year is to experience these deepening relationships with these kids and come home brand new people. Thanks, Kristen. We've had a great summer, really. It's been, it's been life-changing, and I'm really proud of each and every one of these kids and sponsors. And you guys can go now, because I know you, you don't want to be up here uh, all morning. I wish you could. It'd be a lot easier. Um, I am not John Middendorf. Just want to get that out of the way. Um, just in case anybody was wondering, I'm not him. Uh, but I get the awesome privilege of speaking to you this morning um, and after a 26-hour bus ride and no shower, and it's going to be great. Um, it's going to be awesome. Uh, a couple things, just right out, of the, right out of the gate. My family's here, so just uh, be nice to them, please. Um, they're sitting on that back row, and they're super embarrassed right now. It's awesome. 
Uh, and normally, and I, when I envision myself speaking, I, I envision myself uh, giving them a shout out on the podcast. And since they're all here, Jason Smith isn't here. So Jason, wherever you are, Oregon, go Ducks. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so um, I want to give you a little bit of context uh, as to how, how, this, how this calendar year even started. Um, as, as I sat down in December and started working through what, what the spring semester would look like, um, I felt my heart being pulled towards something, something deeper, um, something, a direction that we hadn't gone yet, um, especially because our youth group has gone through transition and it's gone through, um, it's gotten a lot younger. And so, but uh, the last couple of years have just been working on what foundational things, like who God is and who are we, um, but I felt like we needed to take a deeper dive. And so we, uh, we started a sermon series called Finding God in Unexpected Places. Um, and, this, and this was inspired by a book by Richard Beck called Stranger God, where he, he explores um, through psychology and theology um, the things that keep us from loving the stranger, that keep us from, um, from being who we're called to be. And so we, we looked at psychology of disgust, um, where we did things like, uh, we did experiments like where we had them spit in a Dixie cup and then asked them to drink it, which by the way, if you ask middle schoolers to do that, they will do it. Um, <laughs> that, that one backfired. Um, but uh, I don't think that was meant for middle school boys. Um, so we explored psychology of disgust and the things that keep us from interacting with certain people, um, whether that's uh, um, death reminders or it's things that make us sick, things that make us sick to our stomach. Um, and then we, we looked at heart triggers, um, things that really grind our gears. And that could be stuff from, I don't like people with acne or redheads, um, or um, things bigger like human sexuality or um, our attitude towards other faith systems or um, politics, anything in between. And then we looked at tribalism and spheres of influence. Uh, who, who is in our tribe? Who who do we interact with? Who do we let in to our lives? Um, and, that, and that's a big thing nowadays uh, with the political climate the way it is, the polarized nature of our lives. Uh, we, we feel like we have to take a stand for something. And we feel like if you're not on my side of the line, then you're not in. Um, it's an in or out mentality. And then we looked at the little way uh, in St. Therese. If you've ever heard of St. Therese, um, she was a nun uh, in a convent who had aspirations and dreams of, of dying for her faith. Her, her hero was Joan of Arc. She wanted to become a martyr for her faith because that's what she thought um, giving your entire life to Christ is. That's what she thought um, it meant. And what she found out and, and what she developed was this little way. And it was doing the million boring little things that it takes to be kind to somebody, to go about your day saying, I'm going to love you the best way I can. And sometimes, and actually most of the time, that doesn't look like martyrdom. It doesn't look like this grand movie-like ending. Sometimes it looks like just being nice to the person that irritates you. And so we, we went through this, and, and we always have a summer theme, and you saw it on their T-shirts. Um, we developed a theme called Embrace with this tagline that says, care globally and love locally, and it's straight from Richard Beck's book. Um, and I loved it, it grabbed me. When I saw it, I, I, I was like, wow, man, that's powerful. Because in the book, he talks about um, 
this culture and this climate of social media um, and, and how we, we see all these terrible things happening in the world, we're more aware of the terrible things happening in the world and we want to do something about it, but all we can offer is a sympathetic response and not empathy because you can't, it's really hard to be alongside someone when you're, on, when you're just sending a tweet, when you're just um, saying, man, that is so sad. Um, but it's okay to care about the world. It's okay to care globally. We want the world to change. We want there to be peace. We want there um, to be an end to war and hunger and poverty. Um, but what we find is that the best way to do that is when the body of Christ buys into this idea of loving locally. When the people of God choose to um, love the people around them just like the little way. When, when you do the million boring little things, the world tends to change because of it. And so that's where we're at. And so we, we started our summer with that. Um, and I wanted to go back to the passage. There we go. Um, and where it says, remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. I think we forget stuff like that sometimes. I think we forget that we were once a stranger. We were once estranged from this God that where we feel alone. Um, and this summer I've been confronted with this. I, 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 I've known that I'm going to preach on this passage for a while, so I've, I've opened this up. I've thought about it a lot, and really, every bus ride, every whatever, I, I read this, and, and I thought, man, there's a lot of strangers. We see a lot of strangers, um, and we're experts at, at, um, at making people strangers, at creating them, at estranging people, whether it's by social status or by economic status or sexual orientation or religious groups different than our own, people who smell, people who smell too much, like too much cologne, like you've been around that. Um, drug users, people on the streets, drinkers, everything in between. We create strangers and people that we don't want to interact with. But this week, we got to partner with the Salvation Army, and you got to hear Mike talk about it. Um, and we got to participate in services um, at Harbor Light and the warehouse. We, we, we just plugged into what they were doing. Um, services, and we, and we got to encounter and um, interact and um, skin and flesh. We got to, we got to lay hands on people. Um, and I'll tell you, that Harbor Light service, that was one of the most, I think I told this to the group, that was like one of the most hearty meet and greets I've ever seen, like just lots of hugs, lots of weird smells. It was great. Um, so we got, to, we got to plug in the services. We even did a karaoke night with the community, and Mike Laughlin singing YMCA will be burned in my brain for all time. Um, and even Steve Stark got up there, which was, which was awesome. Uh, and we, we just got to have fun with people in the community. We're around people that we don't normally interact with. There was a community barbecue in the park on Sunday, and we got to serve at that. We got to be a part of what was going on in this Regent Park area. Um, and even did, uh, we even played sports where we would just go out into the park, we'd throw a frisbee, have a soccer ball, and kids would just come out of the woodwork and they would play. Um, and so, we, we mainly ministered in this Regent Park area. Um, let me tell you about it real quick. I, I, meant to, I meant to say this before I got into this. Uh, Regent Park, um, relatively small area in the Toronto, uh, Toronto uh, area. Um, and there, packed into that is a high population density of people below the poverty line. 
Um, and so they're going through a lot of transition, actually, because there's, there's some, um, and I don't remember what it's called exactly, but um, uh, what Toronto is calling it, the city is, but they're, they're going through the process of uh, tearing down old buildings and building up high-rises and um, moving people out of their homes that they've been living in for 40, 50, 60 years. Um, and so the, the, the community is going through a lot of turmoil. It's going through a lot of... Um, a lot of heartbreak. Um, and so we, uh, we mainly stay in this area um, and we, yeah, that's all I got for that. Um, <laughs> didn't have anywhere else to go with that. Uh, but I do wanna talk to you about um, one thing that we did that's super, super impactful for our students every single year and that's prayer walks and sandwich runs. We, we take our students out into the community. First we did a prayer walk where we, where we walked down uh, Shooter Street and Dundas and Gerard and down those streets we, we covered it in prayer. We, we would stop periodically and we'd pray for stories, we'd pray for people. We had, we had people from the community with us who would tell us about things that were happening like shootings um, or a woman dying of cancer and leaving three kids and um, other stories where we would just get to be a part of the community um, and bathe it in prayer. Um, and so we, we would do that, but then one of the biggest nights is, is our sandwich run. Uh, we, the, what a sandwich run is, is that we, uh, and by we I mean the 614 team, and they crushed it, uh, made around 120, 130 um, brown paper bag uh, lunches that would have a sandwich. It was a sandwich with bologna and mustard and something else on it, um, and then a snack, and then a water bottle. Um, and don't say, don't say that you're giving out food because that's slang for drugs, so don't say that. Um, and we would take all these and we'd split up our groups and we'd go down these three streets, Shooter, Dundas, and Gerard, and we would just encounter people. We would, we would walk and we would, um, and this was different than the prayer walk because the prayer walk we sort of would just stop and periodically and just pray in a circle. And we wouldn't generally talk to people because it's really kind of hard to do that when you don't have something to offer. Um, but, the, the sandwich run, we would, we would walk and then we would meet people. And it's kind of funny because they, they already, Salvation Army is such a presence in the area that actually my group was walking up and, and some lady was like, oh, you're the sandwich people, they're here. Um, and, and so we would say, Salvation Army, do you want a sandwich? Do you want, um, can we talk to you? Can we learn your name? And we put our students in close proximity with people that make them, definitely make them uncomfortable. Not even might, it definitely makes you uncomfortable. Because uh, you see the streets, uh, you see the shelters. When we walk by the shelters, there's just people everywhere. Um, and they definitely smell, and they definitely look uh, like they haven't bathed or showered or been inside in weeks. And maybe they're doing drugs, maybe, maybe anything else. And seeing the outcasts of society firsthand and actually engaging with them and learning a name and learning a face and learning a story, it impacts you. It, it, it does something to you. Um, and Mike alluded to that. And it's hard. It's very hard. It takes practice. Even I need practice at that because I don't, that's not my, it's not my first gear to just go up and say, hey, tell me your life story. I'll tell you mine. Um, and it, it takes a lot of practice because there's a lot of things that happen because you are uncomfortable because talking is hard when, when you, you smell something weird or you think they're gonna punch you in the face, which that's a real thought. Um, and you're just worried about safety and you're worried about everything. 
Um, we, we, we were on our, we actually weren't on our sandwich when we were on the, uh, on the prayer walk and my group was praying before we walked down the street and there was a man named Patrick who came up and Patrick um, definitely looked like a man who was homeless, pushing a cart, beard, the whole nine yards. Uh, and he actually just, uh, he, he said hi and then he just walked into the middle of our circle and starts talking to us, kind of like just kind of walking around talking to us. And it's like, okay. Um, and, uh, and that made me uncomfortable. It made me, it made me, because we had kids there that hadn't been there yet. They're, he was getting very close. And like we, and I, I couldn't quite, I know why, but I'm like, but it's okay. Like we do this every year, but I still, just makes your stomach churn. It makes you, it makes you nervous. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so we get, so we're walking and we get to George Street. Um, and, and right there, just to the left of uh, Fillmore's Hotel is George Street. Um, and George Street is um, right off of Dundas um, and you, you, you go on to George and it, um, there's, a, there's the Fillmore's Hotel, which uh, is actually a hotel strip club. And so you're, you're walking by and you're already just seeing stuff. You're already, you're already uncomfortable. You already can just feel it. You just, you feel it just all over you and the oppression so thick, you can just like grab it. Like you're walking through George Street and you, and, and even before we go into George Street, people, <laughs> there's somebody walking out who's like, oh, you don't want to go there. And we're like, uh, okay, but we are. Um, but uh, so, so we go down George Street, and specifically because there's a place called Seton House, um, and that's actually during the day, and it actually doesn't look, doesn't look terrible right now, um, but when you walk down, when we generally go down in the evening time, there are just people everywhere, people walking just kind of along the streets, it doesn't matter, there's not really very many cars that go by there, so people just kind of wandering the streets, there's people behind those bars, uh, they're just sitting around, and um, Seton House is... Uh, as a, a city-run shelter for men that sleeps over 600 men every night. And, it, and when you stand in front of it, you're, you're already, just like the aura of the street has already gotten to you. You're already just kind of just terrified, to be honest. And then you stand in front of the shelter and you're just jarred and, you, and you're just trying to soak everything in and you're just trying to um, discern whether or not you should be there or not. Um, and for me, I mean... George Street is the brokenness of the world in one little tiny area. Um, and actually, the first year, I, I had the exact thought, the brokenness of the world is here. Because I, the first year, I saw a woman stumbling down that street, barely clothed, needle still hanging out of her arm, and I, it broke my heart. It broke my heart to see it. Um, evil lives there, it feels like. Um, it's just dark. But interesting thing about Seton House is that it has a sign above the door. And, and keep in mind, this is a, this is a, it's a government building um, run by the government, and it has this sign that says, only three kinds of men, somebody's father, son, or brother. And that gets me every single time because, I mean, it covers everything. There's no one that's not covered by that. So how does that inform us as Christians in terms of our response to those who are struggling with addiction or homelessness or mental health? How are we then 
If, if, we're, if that sign is true, then how do we go about that? But maybe, maybe this is a glimpse into how reconciliation starts. So the other part of Toronto that, um, that we, we, we do, and Kristen talked about it, is TCM. So Toronto City Mission is an organization that works in um, a few different neighborhoods, uh, generally um, poverty-stricken areas, um, and, those, and those are Willow Tree, Kingston Galloway, St. Jamestown, and Flemington Park, and they used to be at Chinese Gospel. Um, and we plug into what they're doing. We partner with what they're doing. Um, they, do, um, they have staff that are there all year round. They do after-school programming where they teach them literacy and tutoring and all, all the things. And, uh, and then during the summer, they run day camps, um, very similar to what our neighborhood in power does, actually. It, it's exactly it. Um, and so uh, uh, my team was uh, the Flemington Park team. This is our awkward family photo on a ferry. Uh, so uh, say hi to Drake. He's just kind of peeking out back there. Um, but this is my team with Ben Rosefeld, Drake Everett, and Taylor Middendorf, and we went to Flemington Park. Um, Kristen talked about it a little bit, but it's, um, it's a predominantly Muslim neighborhood. Um, it, uh, the, the day camp is located in a school called Grenoble Elementary School that has very minimal air conditioning, um, and... Uh, and we, we, we meet in a gym in a couple of classrooms, um, and we, we do a day camp with them where we play games, uh, they do Bible time, they, um, we take them on excursions, we even did a science day, that was pretty fun. Um, but the interesting thing about our site is that um, it is a predominantly Muslim neighborhood, and out of the 33 kids at our site, there were 11 Muslim kids, um, and they have the opportunity or the option to opt out. Um, and so we uh, had the great opportunity um, to lead the opt-out time where we spent time with, um, with these Muslim kids. Uh, that's, it'd be about an hour a day while the other kids were uh, learning about Bible things. Uh, we would sit and we would um, interact with these Muslim kids and we'd spend, uh, we, we, we'd, we'd do lessons about courage and vulnerability and compassion, biblical concepts, but um, more of a broad perspective. Um, and the majority of our opt-out time was spending time with kids with names like Zahir, or Yusuf, or Patsoon, or Atia, or Rabia. Kids, kids that go to mosques and not church, with girls who wear hijabs. Kids from a faith system that often gets demonized. They get labeled as terrorists or opponents of us, they get labeled as the enemy. And so we spent time with them, and there's, there's something about um, sitting in a room with a second grader just looking at you or just wants to play a game, and your heart, heart melts, it's just softened. It doesn't matter where they come from. It's just a child sitting in front of you. And there's one, there's one relationship that I've loved. Taylor, Taylor has gone um, all four years to Flemington Park, and she's met um, a girl named Atia, um, and that is them right there. And uh, over the years, they have developed a friendship and a bond that don't you even dare try to break up because it won't end well for you. Um, and every year, they, they look forward to seeing one another. Taylor actually brought... 
um, a picture of the two of them. She printed out a picture with a, with a note on it and gave it to Atia this year. Um, it's these relationships that build and they keep going every year. Um, and that's just one of them. And then um, this, is, this is Adiba. Um, she, I spent a lot of time with her. Uh, she is a second grader going into third grade. Um, she loves soccer and she loves playing uh, card games. And she plays this card game called uh, Money Money. And I still don't quite understand how to play this game because uh, if you've ever had a third grader try, try to explain a game to you, it, <laughs> rules change, just. Um, so I don't understand how this game works, but, uh, and side note, um, going into this, uh, if you've ever been around kids, kids are absolute sharks when it comes to games or food. <laughs> um, and actually, uh, at mealtime, she, she gave me the eyes, and I had, I had fruit roll-ups this day, and she was like, you're going to give me those. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and so, um, so we're playing this game called Money Money, and we're just, we're going, and I still don't get it. <laughs> I'm just like, at some point, I lose cards. And at some point I get them, but most of the time I lose cards because she created the game. Um, and there was a point where I, I thought, well, I, I was down to like two cards and then I got rid of them all. And I was like, well, I guess you win. And she goes, no. And she like, she had just won a hand and she just kind of takes it and gives it to me. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, no, I want you to keep playing. Like, we're, like you don't have as many cards as I do, so you need these more than I do. And... I was like, wow, um, I was ready to destroy you in this game, and then I got beat, and then you showed me grace. Um, and I was having, I was having conversation with, uh, with, this, uh, with the person at TCM, and one conversation that's happening around the building is that um, they are in a predominantly Muslim neighborhood, and uh, one of the things that they're, they're, they're trying to anticipate is that Eventually, they, they think that there's going to be more kids in this opt-out group than there are in Bible time. Um, and and, and to, to be clear, they said, this is the right thing to do. Um, and, but they said, they said, when there aren't as many kids in Bible time, the gospel message isn't as effective. So we, when we don't get to teach them Bible, it's not as effective. Um, and the more I thought about it, the more I reflected on it, because um, it, it kind of hit me, and I, I, I was thinking, and I said, but the gospel, I, the gospel's lived out by the leaders. I mean, I, I saw Jesus more, I learned more about Jesus from um, our leaders, our site leaders, the people who are there every day, every, all year. I learned more about Jesus from them than I do in any Bible time anywhere. I, their hospitality towards a strange group embodies the love of Jesus and speaks louder than any word can. And maybe we need to have a little more faith that God has the capacity to do great things through the ways that we choose to love people. So, when, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God 
There was a student some time ago where we had just got done with a, with a sandwich run, and he said, um, it was a very honest moment, and I, I, I love him, and, and he, um, I appreciate the transparency because he said, why do we keep coming back and doing the same things over and over when it seems like nothing changes, when poverty's still here, people are still hungry, um, there's still death and destruction and darkness, George Street is still a thing, um, there are still outgroups. We're not doing anything. We're not accomplishing anything. I think it's because, I think we come back because when we look to Jesus and see how to live, when, when we look to Jesus to, to figure out how to go about faith and how can we not go? How can we not welcome people? How can we not see that all people deserve better than the labels that we give them? I can't fix poverty. I can't. I would do it if I could. Um, but I don't have that mon- much money in my bank account. Like, I don't, the logistics don't work. I, don't, I can't do it. We, we can't fix poverty. Like, if we're just developing a plan to fix poverty, it's not going to work. But if I'm willing to encounter the living God through being in relationship with the people who make me feel uncomfortable or willing to be inconvenienced, willing to say yes to opportunities to embrace the people around me or willing to see that all people are fellow citizens of the kingdom rather than my enemy, willing to partner with God in all the ways that he's already at work, then we can begin to be shaped into the very image that the church is called to be We are called to love people, not label them. So find ways to love locally. Sometimes it's as simple as making sure everyone has enough cards to keep playing the game. Thank you.